Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors, and we are excited to have you here this morning. First question, how big is your God? <laughs> yeah, how big is your God? And what does he think about you? I mean, just think about that. Now, I'm saying your God, there's only one God. But sometimes, well, all the time, we all think about God maybe differently than one another. We think about him based on how our father was with us or whatever. How big is your God? Does he care about the things in your life? Can he do anything about it? Or is he kind of this distant deity that created the earth and then just let us go? Or maybe you're wrestling with, I'm not even sure if there is a God. Well, how big is your God? We, uh, years ago, we moved here in 2005, and a year later or so, we were blessed. We got a boat. Uh, we got this boat for 500 bucks because I was doing a job for somebody, and it was sitting out there. It had no windshield. Windshield was shattered. And I'm like, how much do you want for that? They're like, we'll give it to you for 500 bucks. Sold. So it didn't have reverse. So if you know anything about boats, they don't have brakes. Reverse is the brake. So it was the most dangerous piece of junk. It was awful. But we had it. Um, it. It had no shade, and so like I screwed in a an umbrella in it, and so we, <laughs> bloop, yeah. So just kind of picture that. Well, the first thing we did was we went up to Tahoe. So Callie and I got up there, put it on Tahoe, and we had lived here for a year or so and seen all like the bumper stickers, keep Tahoe blue and all that. And it's like okay, whatever. Well, when we got out on the water, we drove out to the middle and just kind of stopped and looked around. And it was one of those wow moments. If you've never done it, you need to get out to the middle of Lake Tahoe. You look down at the water, and it's just this, this crystal blue. I mean, you can see it. It seems like for dozens of feet. Uh, they say you can drink it, so I did. Uh, you know, dive in, and here's this fresh water. And then you look around, and there's the mountains. And when they have some snow on them, it's just one of those wow. And you look around, and at least for us, it stirred us to God is great. Like, look what he made. He made this whole Tahoe place, and it is gorgeous. Now, go up to Heavenly and look at Tahoe from that angle. And again, you're going to go, wow, look at this. And maybe you have these places that come to mind that you've been where you just have to take a little time out and go, wow. And hopefully that points you to God, that you look at this and you go, God, you made this. This, this shows some of you, wow. I remember as a kid having that feeling laying down and looking at the stars. I grew up in Colorado, and, and there was times up in the mountains where you could really see a lot of stars, and just looking up and thinking, wow. You know, you think about the trees and those things. They, they die. They move on. There's no trees around that were here when Jesus was here. I mean, there might be some somewhere. But in general, those things die and move on. But then you look up, and you're like, those stars, they've been there forever? Since the beginning, you know, the, the same stars that we're looking at are the same ones David wrote about 3,000 years ago. And so I look up that and it's just like, wow, or, you know, shooting stars. And again, those things, does it point us to, man, God is great. Turn to Psalm 8, please. Psalm 8 is a really cool psalm. A lot of hymns, uh, songs have been written based on this psalm. And this is David writing. And he's looking at creation, and it's making him go, wow. And then he answers some of those questions. He asks and answers some of those questions of, look at all this. Wow, look at you, God. Wow, who are we? And this should stir us to do the same thing. So look at Psalm 8, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The writer here, I, I mean, we could just stop at that first line. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. You know, I love the songs that we've been singing, just looking at, God, you are so great. You know, we are made to do that. We're made to cry out, God, you are great. And it's written in scripture that if we don't cry out, he'll make the stones cry out. All creation is screaming, God, you are great. We are made to worship. Do you know that? I mean, the church exists now. This stuff gets me excited. The church exists in order to make God known. But, but when this phase of, of life is over and we have the new heaven and the new earth and we move into that with God forever, do you know that the church is going to be different? We won't be doing evangelism anymore because everybody will know God. What are we going to do? We're going to be glorifying God in worship forever, what we're doing here. Now, we're going to be talking about heaven in a couple months. Don't worry, heaven's not an eternal church service. But we will be crying out all the time, God is great, and I can't wait for that. But here, the writer says, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. That word majestic, uh, it's the Hebrew word, but it means mighty, powerful, magnificent, excellent, glorious. When you think about God, are those the things that come to mind? We, we've quoted A.W. Tozer over and over that whatever comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So when you think about God, are these the things that come to mind? Majestic, beautiful, glorious, wonderful. Now here, what's he saying? Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Now, that's not necessarily just a specific name. The name means the person, right? Somebody has a good name or a bad name. God's name is majestic, meaning all that he is, that we can know him by his name, who he is. And here he uses two names at the very beginning. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Those are two different names for God. If you look here, most of you in your translation, that first Lord is in all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps. That is telling you that that is God's personal name in the Hebrew. Because they had some different names that we translate the same thing. So these two lords are actually two different words. That first one is his personal name, which he gave to Moses. If you remember, and maybe you don't know the story, and that's okay. Uh, way back when Moses was, was being called by God to lead the, the Jews out of Egypt, the Israelites, he's walking along as a shepherd. He sees a bush that's burning. But the thing is, is it's burning, but not burning up. And so he goes to see what's going on, and he gets near the bush, and a voice comes out. And it's God meeting with Moses, giving him some instruction. And they have a little back and forth. We don't have time to go through that. It's in Exodus 3. It's kind of a cool scene. Uh, and, but Moses, you know, God says, Moses, you go, and you tell my people I'm going to set them free, and, and this stuff is going to happen. And he says, well, who should I say is sending me? If they ask, who are you, and who sent you, what should I say? He says, tell them I am has sent you. I am that I am. God's name, Yahweh, means I am. I mean, that just kind of gives me chills. I, that word means always was, always will be, self-existing, I am. I, I mean, can anybody describe themselves that way? Hey, tell me about yourself. I am. Whoa. <laughs> you know, maybe there's some professional athletes that might answer it that way. That's what God, that's how he answered it. I am. Boom, mic drop. 
Um, but that's our God, eternal, I am. You know, this is in your notes there. It's going to be on the screen. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, if you're one of those type A and you're looking at the notes, you're like, there's no notes. There's no fill-in. That's on purpose. Uh, last week, we went through Proverbs, and it was very practical. You know, very, what does God want to do? How do we make wise decisions? This is not as practical. This is more, it stirs us to cry out, God is great. And so there's no notes on purpose so that you're not doing this, so that I'm hoping you're, you're going to look up today, which is why we're doing worship a little bit different. There's going to be more at the end than there was at the beginning. Uh, a lot of churches, and there's nothing wrong with this, but they will say that the music is there to set up the sermon. You know, that the sermon, getting it is, this is the thing. And so music just supports this. We don't feel that way. Uh, this is very important, but, but the singing part of worship is also really important because that's where we all engage. And so today, I'll be honest, I feel like I'm setting up what's coming. This isn't the main thing. The main thing is after this. And so be ready. It's going to be cool. Um, but this is the first one, God. He is eternal. Now, here's the second one, uh, Adonai. So it says, our Lord, our Lord. That second Lord is Adonai, which means master, ruler, king. That's kind of the idea. But this word, the Hebrew word, whenever it's written this way in a plural form, it only refers to the one true God every time. So this is God, God. Both referring to him, but two attributes. You, eternal, existent, I am, and my Lord. Not just some God out there, my God, my Lord. You're in charge of my life. That's how he starts this. Oh, Lord, really, it's my Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. And it says here, you know, he, he, uh, he set his glory. Verse 1 still. I'm not sure we'll get past verse 1. Or we're going to be here a while. Um, you have set your glory above the heavens. Now, in Scripture, the word heaven is used several different ways. Uh, there's the heavens as in where the birds fly. There's the heavens as in where the, the planets, the moon, the stars, the sun is. And then there's the heaven where God dwells. This is talking about that second heaven, moon and stars. And so he's looking at that heaven, and he's saying, you have set your glory above that heaven. You know, uh, in this day and age... When they wrote this, you know, evolution would have been unthinkable. I mean, nobody anywhere ever thought atheism, that wasn't a thing. In fact, Christians were called atheists because we believed in only one God, whereas all the other religions were many gods. But as time has gone on, gone on and we have more and more technology, these telescopes, it more reinforces there is a God. Uh, just the idea, you know, looking at the universe and how the stars move, all those things, how it's just perfect. Study, I did some of this and I got overwhelmed, so I'm not going to share a bunch of it. But our earth is so finely tuned for life. The way it sits on the axis, if it was just a little bit off, our, our seasons would fluctuate too much. If we were just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. If we were just a little bit farther away, we'd all freeze. I mean, add all this up, the nitrogen, oxygen in our atmosphere, if it was just a little bit off, we couldn't survive. I mean, it is finely tuned for life. I mean, imagine you're walking on a beach and you see a watch sitting there. It's a nice Rolex. You pick it up. You're like, wow, this was just created by the ocean and all these things. No. I mean, you look at a watch. You're like, somebody made this. You look at our creation. It is so finely tuned. Like a watch has a watchmaker. Our creation has a maker. Somebody creative. 
Somebody with a sense of humor, just look at the person next to you. <laughs> Here's what Paul writes in Romans 1.20. He says, for his, referring to God, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Paul looks at creation and says, there's no excuse, there's a God. David looks at creation and goes, God, how majestic is your name in all the earth? Creation is telling us about God and about his glory. Again, what do you think about God? Is he just kind of tolerating us? You, you know what I mean? Maybe you feel that way some. You know the sin in your life. You're like, oh, I hope God puts up with me. Look at creation, and God created this for us to enjoy. He didn't have to make Tahoe, but he did. To point to his glory, but also for us to enjoy. For us to swim in and catch the crawdads and see if they taste good. And He made all this stuff for us to enjoy. That tells us something about God. He wants us to enjoy his creation. Now, again, look back at this. Uh, uh, verse 3. It says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He looks at this, and again, God, our God, how majestic is your name. I did a little bit of research this week preparing and, and looking at creation. Do you realize the closest star to us? Uh, so Voyager 1, I don't, this is kind of fun stuff. I got into looking at Voyager 1, which is set in 1977, two years before I was born. Um, and it recently passed Jupiter. Or, no, no, not Jupiter, uh, Pluto. It left our solar system. And so it has gone into interstellar space. It is traveling at 12 miles per second, pretty fast. At that rate, it's going to take, what is it, seven, 73,000 years to get to the closest star. At that speed, 73,000 years to get to the closest star. If it was traveling at the speed of light, it would take four years to get to the closest star. That's big. That's vast. Uh, we have a picture here. This is kind of cool. So... The Hubble telescope, you probably have heard of the Hubble telescope. Well, they, they made this telescope, they put it into space, and they pointed it. Uh, and the one who was in control for a while, uh, you know, everybody wanted to get pictures. Hey, point it at this, point it at that, let's see what's out there. He said, no, I'm going to point it in one direction. I think it was for like two weeks. And everybody said, what are you doing? You're just wasting your, you're pointing it into empty space. He pointed it into empty space for two weeks, and this is what, you know, developed. This is what popped up. You know what this is? These aren't stars. These are galaxies. This is a real picture taken from the Hubble telescope pointing in one direction. And in this picture is over 5,500 galaxies. Not stars. Our universe is so huge that we can look out there and we see all these galaxies. Now, we're in the Milky Way galaxy. And in our galaxy, we're just one little solar system pointing to the, you know, maybe you've seen those pictures, and it's like, where are we? Like, somewhere in here, and, and where's our Earth? Somewhere, I mean, we're so small in there. To travel across our galaxy would, at the speed of light, 700,000 years. One galaxy, there's 5,500. God is so big. In Jeremiah 10, we see this. He writes, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? 
for this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all your kingdoms there is none like you. Psalm 8, 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Wow. God is big. Now, back to verse 3, though. It says, when I look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, he asks this question, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Good question. You look at this and then you go, God, with all that, do you even see me? Who, who are we that you would think about us? This is an overwhelming truth that God sees us and actually cares. Verse 5, it says, You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Here's another picture. Uh, this is a picture of, and I don't remember the name of this probe, but this probe was sent out, and it's passing Saturn here, and it turned around, and normally probes can't take pictures back to Earth because of the way the sun is, and it'll, I guess, burn it up or something. When it was passing Saturn, it blocked the sun enough it could take a picture. You know what that is? That's Earth. It turned around and was able to snap this shot of Earth. You can't see continents. You can't. So tiny. So small. And then on there, you know, what's North America on that? And then what's Nevada? And then what's you and me? So tiny. And that's what David says. Who are we that you would think about us? But then his answer is five, six, and seven. You've made him meaning us, mankind, a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the seas. Here's what he's saying. Look at creation. God, you are great, and we are the pinnacle. Nothing else is made in God's image. Man, every man, every woman, every child is made in God's image. This is why abortion is such a big deal. This is why murder is such a big deal. Because every human is made in God's image in a unique and amazing way. We are special. When God created at the beginning in Genesis 1, you know, God created this and he said it's good. God created that and he said it's good. God created man and he said it's good. Then God created woman and he said this is very good. <laughs> Seriously, read it. But, but he go, it's good, it's good. But as he creates, he creates it all, and then he places us there on purpose. This is all for us and for our enjoyment. But we are the pinnacle of creation. Again, don't get a big head, but God loves us a lot. <laughs> he made all of this for us to enjoy and for us to be in relationship with him. He loves the planets. He loves the... But us, you, God looks at you and you are his pride and joy. We are his pride and joy. He looks at us and he thinks about us and he loves us. And that's what David here as he's writing is overwhelmed with. I look at all this and you care about me? You care about us? When God gets that big and we realize how much he loves us, the other things in life, they get kind of small. They get a little bit easier to deal with. It says here we are a little lower than the angels. That's verse 5. These heavenly beings, a little bit lower. You know, the angels have this unique relationship with God. But even later, it says, when this life is over and we move into the next, there are humans who are going to be judging angels. Angels aren't made in God's image. We're a little bit lower than them, but for eternity, it's going to be awesome. 
with the angels. Again, he is celebrating God is majestic, and he finishes it, verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Bookends on this psalm, crying out, God is great, and we are his treasure. Now, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament, he refers back to this psalm. Look at Hebrews 2. It'll be on the screen here, 5 through 9. It says, For it was not the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, that's somewhere of Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Leave that up. Psalm 8, David is writing this about mankind. The writer of Hebrews looks back and says, this is also our Messiah. This is Jesus. So he takes this prophetically to talk about Jesus, that Jesus for a little while was lower than the angels as a human, for a little while, that Jesus was the one who came, crowned with glory and offered because of his suffering and death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We're talking about Jesus here. Psalm 8, we're talking about Jesus. In John 1.1, John writes this mirroring Genesis 1.1. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Genesis begins, in the beginning, God. But then in John, it goes on in John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the one in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. God spoke and created the light. It gives me chills. That was Jesus. Jesus is the one in the beginning who spoke and created. Jesus is the one who set his glory above the heavens. Jesus is the one who made all these galaxies that we saw. Jesus did. And then Jesus took on flesh and died for you and for me. Oh, you think God doesn't care about the things you're going through? He is so big and he loves us so much, he took on flesh and died for us. That makes zero sense to our mindset. We are that special to God. We are that important to God that Jesus would give his life for us. There was a point where Jesus was teaching, you know, and he was in front of the people and the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And at one point, you know, they, they said, you know, basically, you think you're greater than Abraham? You know, Abraham was the father of the, the Israelites, the father of our faith as well. And he says, I got to tell you something. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus took God's personal name and applied it to himself. You know what they did when they heard that? They picked up stones to kill him because that was blasphemy. But Jesus said, I am. You know that God that met with Moses in the burning bush? Me. You know the one that created the beginning? Me. The one who's going to die to save your sins, save you from your sins? Me. Jesus. How great is our God. Him going to the cross. Put the Hebrews, if you can, back up there. It says here, you know, right at the end. 
You know, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. That's going to come when he comes back. Jesus is going to return, and then everything will be perfectly subjected to him. Right now, it's not all perfectly yet, but yet he is still in control. He came, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by grace, the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This is what it comes down to. All creation pointed to that one event where Jesus would die on the cross and rise from the dead. And that gives us life. So that for eternity, we can enjoy God's creation. For eternity, we can cry out, God, you are great. I don't know. I'm assuming something here. Those galaxies, you know, God created all of this, you know, for us to, to put it in subjection. What if we can go to those later? I don't know. What are we going to get? go see these other things God has created, this event? I don't know. But God created all this for us to enjoy. And he died on the cross to give us life. God is majestic. Someday, for eternity, we are going to be crying out his glory. Why wait? <laughs> Amen. Why, why wait? Let's do it now. We're going to move to worship. And as we move to worship... Uh, Think about God. Okay. <laughs> Think, try, try and empty yourself of the things weighing you down. Maybe the sin in your life. Maybe that relationship that's breaking you down. Maybe financial, whatever it is. Empty yourself of that and look at God. And in your heart, allow yourself to just say, God, my God, how majestic is your name. We're going to sing a few more songs than normal here at the end. It's okay for you to just sit there. You don't have to sing. It's also okay for you to stand up and sing like this. Whatever you need to do. We're going to do communion. We do this every other week. This is a time for those, if you have surrendered to Jesus as Lord, you remember him dying on the cross and rising from the dead. This is a very special thing that God's people do. We take the bread, that'd be the cup. We take the bread and we eat it, remembering Jesus' body broken for us, remembering his death. We drink the cup, remembering his blood shed for us. We do this so that we never forget. Jesus said, do this as often as you, he doesn't tell us how often. He says, whenever you do do it, remember me until I come again. So we're looking back at him dying and rising from the dead. We're looking at ourselves. God, reveal in us anything off and lead us your way. And we're looking forward in hope for his return. Communion is for those who have surrendered to Jesus. If you have not said yes to Jesus as Lord, just hold back. That's okay. If today you're hearing this, you're like, no, I need this, God. Come see me. I'm going to be here. I will pray with you. I will help you say yes to Jesus for the first time, and then you can take communion as a servant of the one true God, as part of his family for the first time. Now, real quick, we've been doing communion COVID style for quite a while. Uh, the cup where you peel the top off if you have good fingernails or you have the person next to you do it to get the bread up. We've transitioned. We have both. So, we have COVID style, and we have the good old-fashioned traditional style where you can just get the, the, you know, the cracker and the cup. Whichever one you want to do, each station, we have three stations, has both options. So whichever one you are most comfortable with, uh, that's open for you. As we worship, get up and do it. Here's the other thing you can do. We have our prayer walls up here, this kind of chicken wire and paper. As you get up to take communion, or maybe you take communion, sit back down, and then get back up, think about a praise. Think, you know, right here, David isn't asking God for anything. He's just crying out, God, you're great. Do it. 
So think about something about you. Go up, grab the paper, and write down a praise to God, something you love about him, something you're overwhelmed with by him. Write it and stick it in there. And this is, again, one of our ways to just say, God, we praise you. You know, we sang before, God, we welcome you with praise. We do. We are looking at you. And so take communion, remembering what Jesus did. Write down what you love about God, what you're overwhelmed with. Stick it in there. And this is us. Again, our praise is going up to him like a fragrant aroma because he is worth it. And again, if you need to talk, I'm going to be right up here. Jesus died for you, rose from the dead. It doesn't matter about your sin. He doesn't look at you and go get cleaned up first. He died for you. Today can be your day of salvation. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for David who wrote this down, who looked at the the stars, who looked at the moon and the heavens, and he didn't have access to a Hubble telescope. (laughs) And he looked at that and said, God, how great you are. We now, after Jesus, and even with the technology that we have to look, God, we can see even greater how great you are. Thank you. Thank you for Tahoe. Thank you for the mountains. Thank you for birds. (laughs) Thank you for the, the sun and the moon and the stars. God, thank you for relationships. There are all these things you have given us that make us cry out, God, you are great. Now, we also know that in this life, uh, we're in a world that's corrupted by sin. God, that's not your fault. It's ours. We broke the world basically because of sin. But you, by your death and resurrection, are healing it one person at a time. And so we, we want to be part of that healing. We want to be part of that reconciliation. God, if there's anybody here today that needs you, that says, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he is the only way to salvation. And I want to follow this great God. I want a relationship with this great God. Give them the courage and the boldness to come talk to me right now. And God, for the rest of us, I ask you would stir in our heart. You are great. God, stir in us the praise that you deserve. And let us respond in a way that only brings you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.